All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Porn of the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and I want to take this time to stop and just tell you that what I'm going to talk to you about today, this may be the most important episode that I've ever recorded. I just have this impression that uh, that this is going to be very, very vital for you. And so I, I just want to ask you, I'm begging you to listen and to listen with an open heart. Like just pray that the Lord opens your heart to hear what his word has to say. So this is not about me. This is not about what I have to say. I am going to speak to you directly from God's word. And then we're going going to apply it to your everyday life, no matter if you're a student or no matter if you're in the beginning of your career, in the middle of your career, whatever, no matter if you're even retired, I don't really care. This, what I'm about to share with you, is the number one key, the number one key to a man, a brother in Christ, uh, finding freedom from habitual sin namely pornography and masturbation and so i want to want want to like make you aware of this right off the beginning so as we begin i'm going to say a prayer and but before i do that i do want to remind you if you haven't gone to naturalpornkiller.com and signed up for the free course if you are looking for something in depth to walk through that's not only like gospel centered teaching, but then it's also application of what you're learning on a weekly basis. I think there are six weeks worth of lessons there. Uh, If you want to go there and uh, it's completely free, you just sign up. It's very self-explanatory. You're going to, there's like an introduction. I'm going to walk you through week one. And so the way I have this designed is it's going to drip to you each week week by week by week. So I really want you to focus on week one, then week two, all the way through the end of week six. So having said that, let me bow in prayer and just let's just commit this uh, episode to uh, to God and to Jesus Christ and uh, pray for the Spirit's leading. So let's pray. Lord, open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. Like fill us with deep, deep desires to know you, to grow in you, to walk according to your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us great, great desire, not just desire, but great joy in your word. So God, as we uh, look at Psalm 119, I just pray that you would uh, do this for us and uh, Lord, we know that this is according to your will. You you promise us in Scripture, Jesus, you promise us that you will answer every prayer according to your will. And so we know this is according to your will. Like You desire to reveal yourself to us for the purpose of holiness, for the purpose of sanctification, for the purpose of loving you and enjoying you and loving other brothers in, uh, in, in very real ways and very practical ways. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, peel off any kind of scales that have covered our eyes in your word uh, as we open it and reread and we think about uh, the application to our life. 
In Christ's name I pray, amen. So we're going to be in Psalm 119, and this is probably my favorite chapter in all of Scripture, in all of the Bible, and mainly because every verse is pointing to the rest of the Bible. It's like so it's pointing back to the supremacy of God's word that applies for all people through all generations. And even though the psalmist only had the Old Testament, parts of the Old Testament, and we we praise God that this is inspired by the Holy Spirit so that we can see it uh, all the way through, like this story of redemption, uh, God, and, and especially through the Gospels, how Christ came to fulfill um, what, what God started back in Genesis. And so, Man, this is very, very important. And and the key for you, brother, if you're listening, again, I, I hope and I hope and I pray that you are approaching this with humility. Like God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if you and I approach the word thinking we know everything, we are doomed to know nothing. Like we will not advance in the Christian life. And that's what we're here for. We're here to grow in our knowledge of the Lord, like understanding who he is and his holiness and his greatness and his majesty as we increase in that. And then we're also going to increase in the knowledge of our sinfulness and the knowledge of our weaknesses. And that's going to make the cross grow bigger and bigger. Like the cross is going to seem more glorious to us. We're going to worship Christ more because in him, we have every spiritual blessing. Like in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing we could ever desire. And so I'm going to read some verses here and uh, let's let's talk about these and we're, we're going to like walk through them one by one. So verse 17 of Psalm chapter uh, 119, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then verse 19, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. So here in these three verses, we see three prayers. And each of these prayers, each of these prayers has a purpose and it's it's very very clear to see but we are we are going to like look at these because i want you to understand that as you for you as a man struggling with pornography the answer to your struggle with porn is not what type of blocker to get and put on your computer it's not what kind of a accountability software or what kind of system i can set up to keep me from looking at porn and i'm not saying those things are entirely bad our life is going to continue going forward and the world is going to continue advancing and Satan is going to continue to find ways for us to get access to pornography. Like this is, this is never going to stop. It's too big of an industry. Billions and billions and billions of dollars are made each year on the exploitation of just 
things that we shouldn't even be thinking about or talking about other than warning brothers and sisters in Christ of the dangers. And so um, so let's let's look at verse 17 here. Deal bountifully with your servants. So this is a prayer for blessing. So this is a prayer that you can start your quiet time off with, right? And and it's a beautiful prayer. So it's a prayer for blessing for the purpose. So see, there's a purpose clause here when it says that I. So deal bountifully with your servant, that I. That's the purpose clause. Why do we want God to deal bountifully? Why do we want God to bless us? So that we can live and keep his word. Like this is just a prayer for blessing for the ver- for the purpose of walking according to God's will. And and how many times like how many of us are praying for God's blessing so that we can do what we want to do in life. Right? Like it's we we get into this mindset of God, I need you to bless me so that I can have a good life. But what we don't understand is that the best life, the most blessed life is for reserved for the one who's walking according to God's word. Like you and I, we have to understand that we have a finite understanding of what true blessing is until it is revealed by the Lord. Like it's not about just keeping God's commandments and keeping God's law. Like this is this is what gives you true joy and true satisfaction. Like he knows what's best for us. And so when we humble ourselves and we realize this, then we're auto, then we're going to desire to pray, Lord, bless me so that I can live and keep your word. Like true blessing and bounty lie in the obedient diligent and enduring steps of a man who's committed to God's word. Like this person's desires and duty are tied up into God's word. This is what we want. Like this is this is what Charles Spurgeon said about this verse. He says life is only worth keeping while we can keep God's word. Indeed, there is no life in the highest sense apart from holiness. If we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. We work for him because he works in us. Brothers, you and I, like we, like if you're listening to this podcast and you're struggling with pornography, you and I understand that we must have God working in us to live the way he desires us to live. And so Spurgeon goes on and he says, the more we prize holiness and earnestly strive after it, the more we will be driven towards God, towards God's help. For we will plainly perceive that our own strength is insufficient. This is why it's a prayer. Like if, if you think that you can do this without the supernatural work of God's spirit in you, then you don't need to pray. Like then this verse, you could just erase it from your Bible. You don't need it. But then what many people believe is David wrote Psalm 119. But if if we're sitting here and David's writing this, man, even he realizes like God's 
greatest king other than Jesus Christ, the ultimate king, was King David. And David had to pray this. So what hope do you and I have apart from praying, praying, praying? And so this is the first prayer, Lord, bless us so that we can live according to your word. And then the verse 18, this is a prayer that every man should pray before they open the word of God and read. And it's one that I pray every morning. This is the first, I pray four different verses before I read the word of God in the morning. And this is the very first one. And it's open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Like brothers, if, if we don't have God showing us true meaning in his word, if we don't have God filling us with joy in his word, then what hope do we have? It becomes drudgery. We, we decide that we decide that we we're going to read through the Bible in a year because we think that this is what we should be doing because other people are doing it because we're getting pressure to read through the Bible. But yet like what, what is it? What benefit is it if we're not being supernaturally taught by the spirit of God, what the word of God is telling us? It doesn't do us any good. And so the prayer is like, God, open my eyes. Like as I sit down and read this, I am incapable of truly understanding your word in deep and meaningful ways. And so, God, I just pray as I open this word, I pray that you would open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. So what happens to the man who, when he opens the word, sees incredible things, wondrous things out of God's word, he desires them more. Like he desires them more. He, he starts to understand this is, this is what, this is what it means to like read and be filled with joy. And so eyes that are shut to supernatural vision grow tired of looking at God's word. In fact, they become distracted and usually don't develop the muscles of study, meditation, memorization, and prayer. Isn't this the case? Like if you are not coming to the word and being supernaturally filled, like if if your eyes are not being opened to the the wondrous things that come from God's word, then isn't it true that we just kind of get bored with reading? We become tired. We decide that, you know what, we can take a few days off here. We take a day off here. We take a day off there. But when the Lord, by his grace, is supernaturally giving you insight into his word for the purpose of worshiping Christ, for the purpose of walking according to his word, then then what happens is you become addicted to it. You desire to study it and to meditate on it and to memorize it and to pray it. Like every chapter of every book, God is speaking to us. Like this is the, this is, this prayer should be the first prayer that you go to before you open your Bible. Like open eyes are necessary for any spiritual advance. 
Without open eyes and amazement at God's word, we will drift and our hearts will grow cold. But if you become a treasure hunter, like if you see the word of God as a treasure and you say every single day, I am hunting, I'm going to hunt down. I'm going to hunt down. I'm going to pray. God, only God can do it, but I'm going to give myself over. I'm going to hunt down. Until God shows me, he reveals me, he shows me what he wants me to see. Like what am what I can't wait for him to show me. Either he's going to show me something glorious about his son Jesus Christ. Maybe he even shows me something in me that I need to confess. He convicts me of sin. Like even that is grace. Like you'll never be disappointed. Instead, you'll be amazed and delighted. And even when God reveals our sins through the word, it is wondrous. It's wondrous. Spurgeon said, Scripture needs opening, but not one half as much as our eyes do. And this is this is what I started thinking about. I was like, okay, so what's the what's the opposite of spiritual vision? It's spiritual blindness. And so, brother, you need to be asking yourself, when you open the Word of God, do you see wonderful, amazing, inspiring things from His Word, like life-changing truth? And I'm not talking about what your pastor tells you. I'm talking about what you do, what like this is, this goes far beyond listening to this podcast. This goes far beyond going to church and listening to your pastor teach or listening to a, a, a sermon or another podcast or whatever the case or reading a book. This is about just you and the Lord. That's it. This is about you and the Lord. And so if, so, so just think about that for a second. Like these are, these are very, very important questions for you to ask yourself because a blind man doesn't usually know what he's missing. And so he doesn't ask for more sight. He gropes around to find his way, but he is never really amazed. And if we go back to verse 10, it says, let me not wander from your commands. So like wandering is very closely related to a blind being spiritually blind, wandering because we have no marker. We have no truth that we're holding on to. We have no amazement at the path that we're on. And so we just wander, wander, wander. So let me not, the prayer for let me not wander from your commands is very, very closely related and connected to open my eyes to see wondrous things out of your law. Like God has the ability to cure our blindness. So why wouldn't we be asking for this on a daily basis? And I, I like, I promise you, like, this is something that you and I must be asking for as long as we're here on earth. As long as we're here on earth, like there's no way that we should be going a day and a week and a month and a year without begging God to open our eyes. So the way I look at this, spiritual sight, spiritual insight has two purposes, right? Let's look at purpose number one is to 
open our eyes to the danger on our journey. Like a blind person is wandering and a blind person is drifting and a blind person doesn't see the danger of the next step. They could be right next to a cliff and not know it. So you and I need spiritual insight and discernment from God through his word. We need that to warn us of the dangers ahead. Like we desperately need this. So I'm thinking about like even even something like money as an example. Like I need spiritual insight. I need spiritual wisdom. I need God to show me and to warn me of how dangerous money can be to my soul. Like I need to see the danger of this. And if we look at scripture, there's all kinds of warnings. I mean, I, I just, I think last podcast, we talked about Luke 12, the parable of the man who just built bigger barns. Like We know that people who desire to be rich fall into all kinds of traps. And so God, I need spiritual insight to see the dangers of money when they're not connected with your purpose. So we need spiritual insight to number one, to open our eyes to the danger on the journey. And number two, we need spiritual insight to open our eyes and bring light to the supremacy of Christ. Because when I, when, when this happens, so not only am I seeing dangers, but I'm seeing like incredible things. I'm seeing the way God intends for me to use my money then things change, right? Now, moving on from verse 18, where our eyes are opened and we're given spiritual insight, then we go on to verse 19. I am a sojourner. So when your eyes are open to the truth of God's word, you see yourself as a sojourner, as an alien in this world. This world is not our home. And so we see that. And so the psalmist says, I can see and I'm a sojourner on earth, so hide not your commandments from me. Once we see that we're strangers here, like we have, like this is our, once we see that we are strangers here, we have this deep, deep need to see and follow God's commandment. This is the only way we're going to live this life and honor and glorify the Lord, is if his commandments are not hidden from us. Like having God's word hidden from us is as bad as spiritual blindness. And God would not expect me to follow what I don't understand. So this prayer, along with verse 18 for open eyes, are both necessary. And at the same time, they're mind boggling. Like this is the crazy thing. The psalmist is showing us the way. He's showing us the way. This is this is the way. It's Lord. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then, Lord, I understand that I am a stranger and a sojourner on this earth, so hide not your commandments from me. Like, God, make them available to me. Make them accessible to me. And so we must examine our motives for spiritual insight is it vision for our own relief and purposes, or is it 
vision so that we can make much of him. Now, I know that many, many, many of you, and uh, so often I was praying for relief from pornography so that I wouldn't feel the weight of shame and guilt. Like, And I knew that that came from, the, like that was a result of disobedience. That was a result of me idolizing sex. That was a result of me putting things before God. And so, like, if I'm begging God for spiritual insight so that I can stop pornography, I think, like, I don't want to say that that's wrong, but what is the true motive? Like, think deeply about this. This is very, very important. God, give me spiritual insight so that I find my greatest delight and joy in you. The gospel is a sin killer and a joy filler. Like You need to understand that. It fills us with joy, and that joy kills sin in us, the desire for sin. The more I know God, the more I desire to follow God, to worship God, the more I desire to walk in his way. Like our vision and God revealing his world, his word to us must be for the purpose of make, making much of him. So the word, this is what I wrote down in my journal this morning. The word is chiefly concerned about worship and walking. Those two W's worship and walking. So what is what does it mean by what do I mean by the word the word is chiefly concerned about worship? Well, eyes to see Jesus in the gospel and worship him as our crucified and risen savior. Like it's concerned, like this whole Bible is pointing to Christ, pointing to Christ, pointing to Christ, the supremacy of Christ. Abraham couldn't do it, Isaac couldn't do it, Jacob couldn't do it, King David couldn't do it, Solomon couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. Only Jesus Christ could redeem us from the penalty of our sin. And so worship. So when we read the word, when God's given us spiritual, giving us spiritual insight, our eyes are opened and we worship Christ. And then secondly, it's concerned with walking according to the gospel that we claim to worship. Now look at look at how Paul words this in so many of his letters. I'm going to read from just tiny excerpts from so many of his letters. I'm going to start with Romans 13, verse 13. He says, let us walk properly as in the daytime. So again, here we have the picture, the image of a person walking with vision. He can see. He's in the daylight. He's not groping around in the darkness like a blind person. He is has his clear vision, his sight, and he's walking like it's daytime. He has nothing to hide. He's not hiding anything, and he's walking in the daytime. He says, let us, Paul's saying, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Like the flesh has desires, but God will give us desires that are stronger than our flesh desires. So God is giving us desires 
and wisdom and insight into his word so that we can walk like normal people do in the daytime. All these things that he mentions, orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, these are done at night. Galatians 5.16, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So there's twice in Romans 13 and Galatians 5, we see flesh and desire. So your flesh has desires, and the only way that you're going to find desires that, that kill the desires of the flesh is in God's Word. And not only in God's word, not only in the reading of it, but in the following of it, the walking it out. This is what Paul's saying. Walk by the spirit. Walk properly. Ephesians 4, verse 1, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Your walking is done in humility and gentleness, and it's only done. This is these are these are this is part of the spirit working himself out in you. That's what it means. If you want to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, or what he says here, this calling to which you've been called, it's going to look different than the world. And then he goes on in Colossians chapter one. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom. So here goes back to Psalm 119, verse 18, being having our eyes enlightened to see wondrous things in his law. So what Paul's saying is we've been praying that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to, so there's the purpose, so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So how are you going to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? How are you going to be filled, increasing in the knowledge of God? There's only one way. There's only one way. And it's not this podcast. And it's not like anything else. It's not anything else you're going to find on TV. It's not anything else you're going to find on your computer. It's not anything else. Not one business article is going to show you the way. Not one self-help book is going to show you the way. It is only going to be found in the Word of God, period. The end. And if you won't commit yourself to studying the will of God and praying for spiritual insight and praying for spiritual wisdom and praying for strength, then I can promise you, you will always struggle with pornography. I was just watching, you You may remember this NBC, like Dateline, I think is what it was called. Like, uh, was it, is it uh, catching a predator or something like that? Anyway, it's, all it was was sting operations. And all the sting operations were men who were chatting online with underage people who they thought were underage people. They were actually um, police officers. And then they would agree to meet up and have sex and to catch a predator. That's what it was called. Like, should we be surprised that this is the way of the world? We shouldn't be surprised. And men who refuse 
brothers in Christ, Christians who refuse to make it their number one priority to dig into the word with all humility, with great desire, begging and calling out to God, we should not be surprised if this is the way it goes. We never, ever imagined that it would get this bad, right? We never imagined. Like this this thing that we struggle with destroys marriages, puts people in jail, has people watching things, has people believing things, watching things, trying things that years before would seem like unbelievable. Like we would never go that far. And so if we're not growing, if we're not increasing in the knowledge of God, I can promise you we are drifting. We are drifting. And he goes on to say in Colossians 1 verse 11, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Like if, if there's one thing that you need brothers in life, it's endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who's qualified you to share in his inherit in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. So see the contrast saints in light delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, which is in the light in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Like Paul's praying for this church. Like he kicks off this, this letter to them saying, I'm praying, I'm asking that he would fill you with spiritual insight and wisdom to know God more, because when you know him more and you're going to be strengthened with his power and with his might, and guess what? You're going to start bearing fruit. You're going to start doing works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. Then we move on to 1 Thessalonians 2.12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And the thing I love about the letter to Thessalonica here, the church at Thessalonica, is that if you go back and, and read it, so many times Paul says, and you know, and you know, and you saw, and you witnessed. So he lived among this church. And so when he's writing them, He's not just writing them and saying, hey, do this. He's saying, you saw how I lived in front of you. You saw how we lived. And so I want to charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And you know what? I'm not asking you to live what I have not lived. I'm not asking you to live what I, like I'm never leading from what I'm just learning. I'm leading from what I'm living and then in Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So this phrase here, let your manner of life, is the same thing as walk worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Brothers, how are we ever going to do this? without supernatural help. How are we ever going to do it? Are we going to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel if our life is consumed with our sports team, 
if our life is consumed with can't wait for the weekend so I can have a few drinks and relax and do what I want to do. Your ambition, my ambition, and I'm not there yet. Our ambition should be to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we've received, the calling of the gospel. That's what our ambition should be, and there's only one way to do it. And that's to approach God through his word with much, much humility, asking for spiritual insight, asking for wisdom, asking for the grace to confess sin, asking for the grace to walk in the light. Now, brothers, I get emails from you, and I'm thankful that I do. I'm thankful that you feel like you can email me and reach out to me, and I, and I love it. I want to hear from you, even, even if your life is a complete mess. And many of you email me. Many of you email me because you're in such distress. I can't tell you how many have talked to me about desiring to end their life. I can't tell you how many of you have emailed me with your marriage in complete shambles. I just want to just want to encourage you like it doesn't have to be that way. There's one thing you're missing. Just one. But do you know that God is a good father? Do you know how gracious he is? Do you know how much he desires he desires you for you to pick up your Bible, to open your Bible, and to pray, God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And if you pray that sincerely, and then you take one or two verses or three verses or a thought from the gospel, like go to the gospel of John and just take a chunk, a small chunk Read it, think about it, meditate on it, journal about it, pray throughout when you're reading it and journaling, pray again and again for spiritual wisdom and insight. And God, God, give me the desire, like give me joy in your word. Satan is trying to fill you with lies. The only thing to combat these lies is the truth of God's word. I read a quote recently. I, I want to say it was Piper. I can't remember if I had my phone. Well, I do have my phone. I'm going to pull it up real quick because I actually saved it because I was like, man, I, I need to look at that. I'm wondering how I can find my saved stuff. Aha, found it. Let me see if it pops up here first. Yes, it does. Here's the quote. Reading is a discipline and all disciplines require self-discipline and self-discipline is the one thing our sinful flesh will resist you and i need more discipline self-discipline but i can promise you the enemy does not want you to open your bible and so what he's going to tell you is you'd have to get up too early you don't have time 
you're not a I'm not a morning person. No, I've, you know, I'm I'm such a night owl. I mean, I've believed all these things myself. And the more excuses I make, the more I drift. The more excuses I make, the more I stay the same. And it probably proves that you're not desperate enough. And so there's a couple of different ways to overcome this. Number one is you will drift away until it's a disaster and you'll wake up. You'll wake up at the bottom of the pit and think, how did I get here? And maybe that's what God will use to get your attention by his grace and mercy, like he did me. Or you can use self-discipline to say, I've got to carve out at least 30 minutes. Like, Lord, give me the grace and the strength to carve out 30 minutes. I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to get up. I'm going to put my phone across the room. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to go into a quiet place. I'm going to open the Bible. Maybe I make coffee like I do every morning. And I'm just going to take my time and read a couple of verses. And if you really, like, this is, I don't know. You could go to Psalm 119 and just start with verse 1. This whole chapter is about the supremacy of God's word. So let me end with this. Let me end with this. Verse 20 says, so after he's prayed these three things, right? So Lord, don't hide your commandments from me. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law and then deal bountifully with your servants. So bless me so that I can live and keep your word. Then he comes to verse 20. And what does he say? He says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. My soul is consumed. It's consumed. And so what is the result of these prayers? What is the result of God deal bountifully with your servant? Like, bless me for the purpose of living and keeping your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And Lord, I'm a, I'm a stranger here on earth. Hide not your commandments from me. Don't hide them from me. Show them to me. The result is my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. <laughs> How beautiful is this? A true desire, a true desire, brothers, is something we must have and we will pursue at all costs until we have what we desire. If you think about desires, they're like there's a there's a part in this in the course that I created. You can find that at naturalpornkiller.com. It's free. There's a whole section all about our desires. Like God has given us desires so that they would be met in him. So we have desires for touch. That's non-sexual touch and sexual touch. There's desires for belonging. There's desires for acceptance. All these things God meets through the gospel. But when we desire things that aren't truly satisfying, what happens to them? Like if you notice, most of our desires are temporary in nature. Like we, we desire and then we receive it and we don't desire it anymore. 
And that's not the way it is with God's word. He says, my soul is consumed with longing for your word at all times. Like it never stops desiring it. So once God starts to give you a taste of the glory, a glimpse of the glory that's found in his word, because all it's doing is showing you this crucified and risen Savior over and over and over. And you're just, your mind is blown because how, how in the world did I, how in the world did I receive this mercy and grace to know you, God? It just blows your mind. And so you worship and then you desire to live and to walk according to the gospel but it, that's not so with other desires. Like if you're thinking, oh, I, you know, I, I need a new car, you may have a desire for a new car, but once you get the new car, it's over. It's over. A new house, it's over. A promotion at work, it's over. You may desire it for a little bit, but it's not constantly consuming you. But the beautiful thing is once we receive this desire, even sexual desire, like your desire for sex, like when you look at porn and masturbate, what does it do? It literally disappears and you've received nothing and not so with God's word. When you desire it and you commit to it and you receive it, you want more of it. You're like, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. And so that desire changes you. The word begins to change you. Just the same way that sexual desire, if you keep giving into it, will change you. Like there's just two different paths. Like you're going to be changed one way or the other. One way you're you're anchored in Christ and you're growing in the knowledge of God and then you're being you're being transformed like by his spirit. You're being changed into his likeness. So this is called sanctification. You become more and more Christ-like. Or the other way is you become more and more sinful and world-like. And that path is a horrible, horrible path to find yourself on. Like most desires are temporary in nature. But the psalmist here is saying, oh, no, 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 no. When God answers these prayers, my soul is consumed with longing for his word, his rules at all times. So what a man desires most will be revealed in his habits and his dedication. So, brothers, this is the last thing I'll say. Don't be consumed. Don't be, like, don't make your drive for getting in God's word to end your pornography habit. Make your drive and your desire in opening your word to know him more. Like, if I live, like, I'm, if I live another 40 years, 30 years, I will never exhaust. Like I'll never reach the end. I'll never study so much that at the end of the time I go, well, I've learned all that I can learn. I found all the joy I can find. Like it's over with. It's never going to happen. But guess what? Sports has an end. Popularity, status at work, sex, physical appearance. 
it all ends. It all ends. It all ends. Put your energy. Use if you're if you're a young man, like use your energy to seek out and to call out and to beg for God to open your eyes and to fill you with a desire and a longing for him at all times. He'll do it. He's a good father. He's 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 bound himself to answer prayers according to his will, like just like how I started this whole podcast with. So all right, brothers, that is it. You can email me. I mentioned that earlier. You can email me if you have any questions, if I can help you in any way. Spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. Would love to hear from you. And I'll be back with another episode of Porn of the Gospel.